to Master of What? I'm Andrew Guest, Master of Political Science. And I'm David Bro, a Master of Biology. And this is an episode about what? Octopuses. Octopus, just octopuses. Need I say more? I think you need to say a little bit more because we got to fill between 45 minutes and an hour. Oh, don't you worry, I'll say more. <laughs> There are actually a few different acceptable plural forms of octopus. Uh, so it's octopuses, of course, the infamous octopi. We've also got octopoda, if you want to be a little bit more clinical about it. Octopoda is just the order um, of cephalopods that octopus are in. Which octopus is like a Latin-derived term, right? So the Latin plural would be octopodes. Oct- All right. Octopoda just means eight feet which is a misnomer because they're not feet, they're arms. But anyway, so I wanted to talk about octopuses in general just because I think they're really cool. And I wanted to talk specifically about the giant Pacific octopus because that's the only octopus I've personally encountered in the wild. You've had a, you've had a one-on-one yeah. with a giant Pacific I, octopus. And let me say, I have only had good experiences with them. I've, I've met two. You know, that's, that's just anecdotal. You yeah. can't... You know, I'm sure there's bad octopuses out there. Oh, whoa, yeah, we're going to get into some bad octos out there. There's some (laughs) bad octos. I met a couple of pretty decent octos, but even those octos were like, you know, they've been up to some stuff when when I'm not around, you know, for my 20 minute scuba dive or whatever. Octopuses are on a different timeline than us because most octopuses only live like a year or two. All right, so these so these octopuses don't live for very long. No, and what's interesting is like some of them can get up to six feet long or or even larger than that. The the largest giant Pacific octopus was um, upwards of six hundred pounds and thirty feet long. To think that an animal can get that big within like a couple of years from a grain of rice. I thought you said they lived one year. Well, so I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself. Giant Pacific octopuses. We're going to talk about that. I'm because paying it. You didn't think I was paying attention. You think I'm just here for the jokes, but I'm here to learn. Yeah. So Giant Pacific octopuses. We'll talk about them just as a specific example because they're uh, interesting in that they're very big. And that comes with several different other fun facts. But most octopuses live about a year. Just to get some of the like background out of the way before we get into some of the more fun stuff, I guess Andrew, do you know like what group of animals octopuses are in? Uh, fish. What kind of fish? Um, not not the normal kind. <laughs> if you're looking at your seafood platter and you know you have a seafood allergy, does that mean you can't have tuna? Does it? I I if I had a seafood allergy. I would not be doing well because I did not know that you could have tuna if you have a seafood allergy. Well, most people with a seafood allergy are actually allergic to shellfish. And and that can sometimes include other invertebrates like crabs. But shellfish generally refers to mollusks. Mollusk just means soft-bodied. Because they're soft-bodied, most mollusks have a shell. But um, octopus... Okay, I was going to say, because when I think of a shellfish... I don't think of something that's very soft. Yeah. In fact, I would say that I think of the exact opposite of something that is very soft. You'd be correct most of the time. Mollusks evolved a really long time ago, and when they evolved, they evolved a shell to protect their soft body. 
Octopus are part of the group, uh, the class Cephalopoda, which means head foot. They came up with an alternative arrangement. So they ended up evolving eventually to lose their shell. I hope they find it. Have you ever seen the videos of the coconut carrying octopus? No. Okay. Well, I'm, but I can use my imagination. What do you and think? And I'm going to make a wild guess yeah. here. But is it octopuses that are carrying coconuts? Andrew, you've, nice. you've won our daily double. Nice. Nice. You get to coast while I explain octopus evolution to you. But yeah, so they lost their shell. That's what evolutionary biologists think was sort of the impetus for a lot of the behavioral traits. A lot of the sort of fun facts that we think about octopuses, um, like all of their arms and their camouflaging capabilities and their and their higher cognitive abilities. You know, they're by far the smartest mollusk. Their competition is a clam. Uh, it's pretty low bar. But um, instead of relying on a hard shell... They said, nope, and we're just going to get super tricky about it. And get really smart about it. Yeah, so they just decided to, instead of have a shell, have a brain. Yeah, work smarter, not harder, like literally, because... <laughs> <That's... laughs> that was good. pretty good. Um, the shells are hard. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first shelled octopus, so that like octopuses or cephalopod, I guess I should say, it's like ancestors of the octopus appeared uh, almost 300 million years ago. And then modern octopuses that had lost their shell and developed like an ink sac evolved about 90 million years ago. So that's when like T. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty like recent. To give you an idea, that's when T. Rex was roaming North America. Okay, so not super recent. Late Cretaceous period was when the first modern octopus showed up. So if you think like humans the first modern human showed up 200,000 years ago that's quite a big difference like they've been around a lot longer than we have like mil- like tens of right. millions of years longer is than- it is it one of those things where they sort of just like are you practicing evolution no I've perfected it. Pretty much. Like they've just like won, There's, achieved what they needed to achieve, and now it's all good. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely make that argument. I think it's sort of a gray area when you're talking about living fossils. These are like animals, like sharks or alligators that kind of reached their zenith like a hundred million years ago or something like that. Like really. And so they're kind of a, a, a window back in time into what their earliest ancestors would have looked like. Cause they really haven't changed that much, but there's like over 300 species of octopuses and octopuses fall into two different categories of like finned versus not finned. Again, I'm going to just reference like videos cause people can look this up, but like finned octopus swimming, they don't use. So like typically unfinned paint a picture with your words. David. Well, most octopuses don't have fins. Like you've seen them. They just have, like okay. they, they've got the mantle. They just have like that tentacles. They've got arms and then that which they use to walk generally. Like they'll walk yeah. along the bottom unless they're frightened or they're trying to like evade predators or trying to catch something, and then they'll use their siphon to shoot a jet of water. And them their mantle Is that where they do that thing where it's like they close all their legs and just to like propel themselves along? Yeah. Like a jellyfish. Yeah. So they have this kind of webbing between their arms which they can kind of use to to kind of beat back the water but then most of the propulsion comes from their siphon which is like a water jet that shoots water out at 25 uh, miles an hour or 40 kilometers an hour which means they move that fast like that's the top speed for an octopus i can drive at least twice that fast can you drive that fast on the bottom of the ocean Uh, that's a good point actually you i'm gonna i'm gonna say you got me there 
Because, like, if you think about it, like, 40 kilometers an hour doesn't sound that fast. But, like, underwater, that's very fast. I don't know how, what that is in knots. Yeah, I was going to say, what is that in, in like knots? Like, the submarine equivalent. Is knots spelled with a K? So like Yes. Uh, that's 20. Yeah, like that's the, 22 knots. 21 and a half knots, which I think that's pretty fast for like a ship. Like, I, I don't know about submarines, but like on the water, you know, if you're at like 14 knots, you're cruising. Yeah. Like, t- like 22 knots would be a, a like a good clip for like, but that's a, like a burst, like a big ship. It is like a, a tiny burst of speed, though. That's like the they've right. They suck up all the water into their mantle, which is that giant thing that looks like a head, which isn't really the head. That's the body where all the organs are. It sucks water into that and sort of inflates that fully. And then just with all of its muscles, which the mantle is very well muscled because it's the protective case for all of its vital organs, it contracts very suddenly and forces all that water out a tiny hole and it just goes. Nice. Um, and it also uses that siphon to to eject water when it when it releases ink and that water will cause the ink to like spread out and it's more of like a cloud. Oh, like I a, see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a smoke screen. But anyways. Nice. We are going to talk more about the ink thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you've sort of just dropped that in and... It's one of those things that you kind of just take for granted until you think about it, where you're like, octopuses have ink. Yeah, is it ink? Like what? We'll talk about ink. I have a whole bit about ink. Ink's super fascinating. I had the same thing when I was looking up stuff on I was like, yeah, ink. Everyone just refers to ink. Like, as if it's the same thing that we use to write yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, as if it's just like... The printing press was like, just yeah. invented. And in other news, all octopus are extinct now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they... Uh... There's a huge monopoly on ink, and it's all in the hands of big octo. Yeah, so you need your printer cartridges refilled. That's why it's so expensive, because you got to go, like, catch an octopus. Yeah, each, each printer cartridge takes 10,000 octopuses to... <laughs> The thing with octopuses that makes them so interesting to me is that they evolved so long ago. Like I said in another episode that their last common ancestor with us and all other vertebrates was a flatworm that lived 600 million years ago. Whereas like all vertebrates evolved from a common ancestor, which was lizards, about 320 million years ago. Wait, 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 wait. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I know it gets said a lot. I never really thought it was true that humans actually evolved from lizards. Well, that's the common ancestor of all tetrapods, which are anything with four feet or four arms. Um, oh, well, I don't have four feet or four arms. I have two of each. Sorry, I should say anything with four limbs, but tetrapoda just means four four feet. So I'm talking about things that follow that general body plan. So even birds fall into that, but like birds, cats, dogs, whales, primates... Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Anything with four limbs and a spine share a common ancestor, which was something that looked a bit like a lizard that lived about 320 million years ago. Nice. I mean, we, you can trace this back even further, Andrew, to like a fish. But like I played, I played Spore. It's me, William Wright, game designer, and I'd like to show you m- me beautiful spores. Oh, so, so yeah, it, you like, know, it starts in the cell stage. You know all of this stuff already. Yeah. And then went out of the water onto land. Why are we and even then went doing into the huts? Spore, and then so. went into space and went to the center of the galaxy. Yeah. I don't even know why we're, that's, we're doing that's, this podcast. Anymore. That's evolution, baby. Yeah. You got, I mean, just, uh, just play spore. So the, the, the squids just sort of got bored at the, at the ocean stage and decided to hang out there. 
Pretty much, yeah. Well, they it was more like a, a clam was like, I'm good. Another clam was <laughs> like, like, no, not be, I'm good. Yeah, another clam was like, I want to move around. And then that's where octopuses come from. Nice. List animals on Earth that you think of as being very smart. Uh, oh, uh, us, humans, dolphins, chimpanzees, uh, border collies, um, some parrots, elephants. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. Let's stop there. So all of them. Is that is that most of them? That's a good. That's a good cross section. I just want to say I specified. I was about to say dogs, and then I thought, nah. Uh, I specified border because <laughs> my because my dog is dumb. Have you ever thought of getting a pet octopus that might be a little bit better? Behaved? Constantly, yeah. Just just a, I I lie awake in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, thinking, "Oh, if only I had a pet octopus." What I'm getting at is octopuses evolved so long ago; they're so distant from everything else on on Earth that we think of as being intelligent. That it's kind of like looking at an alien form of intelligence. That's just what I was thinking. So if the, if the, like our, the ancestor that we shared with octopuses mm-hmm. was a flatworm, was just like, was, yeah, was a flatworm. Didn't have two neurons to rub together. Well, I had a few, but you know, yeah, very, very. Well, it had, a, it had, it had like a couple between two and like 10 yeah. neurons to rub together. Yeah. And then from there, like it stays down, stays down, stays down, become humans and elephants and border collies. Yeah. And then in like another direction, stays dumb, stays dumb, independently of that becomes smart octopuses. Yeah. Then what does that tell us about aliens, basically? Yeah. Which is what I'm actually lying awake at, at, <laughs> at night thinking about is, are there intelligent? So, so yeah. That, I mean, because a lot of like, we only know about stuff on Earth to go on, right? But if the uh, if it's possible that life evolves somewhere else, mm-hmm. then we have like two different examples of intelligence evolving yeah. from a non-intelligent thing. And we really do. Like, I, I want to kind of stress that point. It's a perfect segue into the next bit I want to talk about, which is which is uh, intelligence in um, octopuses as opposed to intelligence in all other examples you listed: elephants, dolphins, chimpanzees. Uh, border collies. Border, border collies. Um, yeah, especially border collies. So border collies is a good example because like dogs, for example, do have like a higher, like they're on the higher end of intelligence. I think they're equivalent to like a, a toddler that's a couple of years old kind of thing. Like you can teach the same things to a dog if it can recognize objects, recognize people, recognize faces, that kind of stuff. And, and those are all things that evolve from a social need because dogs like all those other examples, elephants and everything, they're all social creatures. So that's the main driver, like evolutionarily, that's the driver for cognitive. Right. You get, you get like better reproductive outcomes in terms of like survival of the species and propagation of the gene line mm-hmm. when you've got animals that are better at cooperating socially, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, they need a way to communicate. Anything in a social group uh, is going to evolve more complex behaviors and complex um, cognitive abilities because they have to communicate as a group and um, interact as a group. And so that higher level cognitive abilities um, mm-hmm. has only evolved in social creatures other than the example of the octopus. The ex- And octopuses are the exception. Oh, octopuses are like loners? They're, yeah, they're completely solitary except when mating. Oh, my and mating is... Um, 
something we'll get into later. <laughs> yeah, when you're older. Yeah, we'll talk about that when you're older. So why would octopuses need to be smart if they never have to communicate with each other? So it's kind of this alternative evolution of uh, intelligence where uh, biologists have actually had to rewrite the rules. So there's like a contemporary sort of hypothesis around how intelligence can evolve. And it's called the ecological intelligence hypothesis. So cognitive... What was the previous uh, I think it was the social hypothesis. Oh, okay. Just like that social tracks. intelligence hypothesis, I think, would be the one. But yeah, so we talked about how they lost their shell. So that would mean that they're facing higher predation pressure. Because they're soft, they need to get away from predators, and they also need to travel around to find prey and they need to deal with competition for for food and so that alone was enough to spur on this evolution of intelligence but yeah so like octopuses didn't just get smart though they also evolved anatomical curiosities to deal with all the challenges of living outside of a a shell so uh so obviously we think about their eight arms um that's the main one. When you see an octopus, you're like, that's a lot of arms. I've got two. Yeah, that's too many. Yeah. It's not, it's more than, more than It's those. more than I have. Um, um, but what's fascinating, I think. Is that how, is that how biologists do research? Like that's their, like they just see an animal and they're like, hmm, that's different than me. I'm going to write that down. That doesn't look like I look. I'm going to do a little sketch of it. I'm going to. It's a very, it's a very like a narcissistic approach yeah. to research of just like. He has eight arms. I've only got two. What's the deal with that? I'm going to call him eight arms. Actually, I'm going to call him eight feet because I'm that out of the loop. Maybe, maybe octopuses have a normal amount of arms and just everything else doesn't have I'm sure that's what they think when they see us. They're like, God, what, what happened? Yeah, they're like, come on, like four limbs? What is this, amateur hour? Were you in some sort of horrific accident? That's... That's half of how many that you're supposed to have. God, like, please, like, get to a, you know, a hospital. Deal, <laughs> yeah. like, get, get that. Yeah, get that resolved. Yeah, here, do you want one of mine? I mean, I'm not using it. <laughs> Take two. God, this is, I can't, I can't even look at you. But yeah, so each arm is controlled by an independent nervous system, or you could think of it as a small brain. So octopuses have nine brains. Just gonna let that. Nine. Just gonna let that sink in. So each arm is just doing its own thing. Somewhat. So there's a there's one central brain that's uh, where you think it would be, it's sort of where the eyes are. So that'll send a signal to whichever arm it wants to send a signal to. So you wanna you wanna pick up that clam over there. I'll send a signal to my arm. That's just there's a clam over there, but it doesn't give it any specific instructions. It's just clam there, and then the arm with its brain goes, all right, where's the clam? All right, it's there. Okay, how big is it? All right, it's this big. Okay, I'm going to use my, I'm going to send another signal back to the brain to recruit more arms. And then those other arms are going to go, all right, let's go. <laughs> Hop to it. That, I, lo- I love the, I love the idea of the arm is like a, you know, the king is sitting in his castle and, it, you know, he sends one lord out to get, you know, one knight sure. out to, to go investigate the clam. And the knight returns and he's like, my liege, call the banners. <laughs> call the banners. We must ride out to face this clam. We ride. We we must recruit all other seven arms of the realm. And they all rise up and they all have their different banners and they all, they all extend. And then it's just, yeah, it's a clam confirmed. Ladies and gentlemen, we got it. Um, It could be more complex. Obviously, I just chose a really specific, like a really simple example Mm -hmm. of there's a clam there. There's food Okay, so here's a question. 
If it if an octopus loses an arm, does it get stupider? Uh, it doesn't get stupider, but all of a sudden, it's very apparent that the arm is smarter than you would think it would be. Oh, really? Yeah. Each of the arms is independent. So don't think of it like you need all eight to, to think. It's just each arm thinks a little bit for itself. But so it's not it's not like if an octopus lost two arms, it would just like fail the history test it was studying for the night before. Yeah, it's that's where it stored its knowledge of the Napoleonic Wars. And now it's just, <laughs> yeah. sorry, you get yeah, Oh, gosh. I've still got the Inca, though. I've still got the Inca. Yeah, yeah. They're still there. Yeah, next to the ink sack. So they've done this before. They've done this. Uh, scientists are truly horrible people. And the, they've done these different experiments. One of them was where they just, they cut the arm off entirely and, and see what happens. And the arm continues to look for food. If it finds food, it'll actually use it suckers to pass the food back to where its mouth should be, which is kind of tragic because there's no more mouth yeah. there. Another thing that they've done is just severed the nerve. So rather than cut the whole arm off, just sever the nerve. And the uh, the arm just starts to behave independently, but it'll still do things. Like, it'll still react to being touched. And um... God, can you imagine if they did that to all eight limbs? And then the octopus is just like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not in, I'm not steering the ship anymore. Yeah, you know what like, I mean? It's like multiple personality disorder, but each of your arms is a different yeah. personality. Still feeding you, fortunately. They can't talk to one another, though. They can just, right. that's, it's sort of brutal, but. That's, yeah, that's pretty horrifying. That's how we learn things definitively is sort of taking them apart. And then is, is, is violence. True, truly. It's the human way. But yeah, so, so just continuing on, they have nine brains. That's, that's sorted. They've got three hearts, so two hearts pump blood to the gills, and then one pumps for the rest of the body. The reason behind this is that their blood is actually very bad at transporting oxygen. Like, compared to humans, it's very inefficient, because... Oh, they just don't have, like, good blood? Like They blood. have blue blood, just like that TV show, Blue Bloods. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but they're not, they're not police officers, they're just... They're not, like, detectives. I want to see the Blue Bloods like the version of Blue Bloods, but instead of Marky Mark's brother, instead of Mark Wahlberg's brother and like that guy from like Hawaii Five-0 or whatever his name was, what's his name? Tom Selleck. I, I didn't know Tom Selleck is the guy for, in Blue yeah, Bloods. Yeah, Tom Selleck. Instead of Tom Selleck and Mark Wahlberg's brother, it's just octopuses and they're just... I just looked and up, you know, you know what Mark Wahlberg's name is? Or brother's name is? Donnie. Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. Tom Selleck's chief police. So it's just like a big octopus with a mustache and a constable's So yeah, hat. yeah. It's, a, it's just a... Yeah. And we got a crime in the city. Ah. That's a good impression of Tom Selleck as an octopus. It's Tom Brokaw. <laughs> oh, this just uh, eight-legged trouble here in the bottom of the sea. So they got they got blue blood. They got blue blood because they're instead of hemoglobin, which we have that binds iron, which is red or turns our blood red. It has a copper-based protein, and it's called hemocyanin, cyan, blue, hemocyanin, get it? Ah. And so and copper, when it's bound to oxygen, turns blue. It's a different evolutionary tree, right? It's a different evolutionary branch. Instead of hemoglobin, which all mammals and birds have, pretty sure reptiles have it too. One side of the tree took hemoglobin, one side of the tree took hemocyanin. And uh, it's just less efficient, so they need three hearts. And also, I think so, their gills are, are doing a lot of work. So so if we took an octopus, what if we replaced all of its blood with our better blood? It would die. Huh? What do you mean it would die? 
uh, our blood is better. It's like putting a it's like putting a jet engine in the back of your Toyota Corolla. Yeah, that's what they did in a, every single Batman movie, and it was and awesome. it worked out just fine. So of course that yeah. must be how it works. I'm pretty sure the rest of the car was like like Batman thought ahead and wasn't like I'm gonna use it. Is the Batmobile a Toyota Camry? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, okay, you, you got in me. In one there. of them, in one of them, it's straight up a tank. Al- Alfred's like, uh, uh, Mister Mister Wayne, sir. Might I suggest a newer model of automobile? Al- Alfred, you don't understand. I gotta get the drifts. I want to get the things to make it go. <laughs> I need to make my car go. I want to make it go. You don't understand. Where do you want to make it go? I don't know. Just fast. I, it just has to go. It just has to go, go very fast. fast. I swear to God. Swear to me. So, okay. So what you're saying is we couldn't. But scientists, as you explained, have done some wild experiments. Yeah, but they didn't cut the arm off an octopus and attach a human arm to it. And we're like, now it can write with a pencil. And it can, you know, it, all it's been lacking this whole time is opposable thumbs. This is the next evolutionary renaissance. <laughs> they should put, they should do that. They should totally, I mean, I don't know where they're going to get the arms, the human arms. I'm but. pretty sure that the octopus would immediately eat the arm. <laughs> <laughs> it would eat its own hand, and that would be truly Lovecraftian horror. Okay, so let me just let me bring it back down to Earth here. Sure, yes, please. What would happen if you made hemocyanide, whatever, hemocyanide. blood? I was pretty close. Yeah. That was just more efficient. Like I know there's like like artificial replacement blood for humans that is just like like it's super expensive and not viable mm-hmm. for like you know public like general use. But it is possible to just make like a like an artificial liquid mm-hmm. that functions identically to blood. Yeah, I mean, if you Except if you, clotting I, I feel like again, this is the beginning of a horror film where it's like very human centipede, but with octopuses. Where you're like, I I have this crazy idea. Let me pitch it to you right now. We're gonna make bigger, faster, stronger octopus. Now, hear me out. It's going to have better blood. It'll move faster. It'll be stronger. We have to pretty much reconstruct the rest of the octopus around this new blood. So we're going to go with a cyborg sort of, uh, you know, android octopus. It's the $6 million cephalopod. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic cephalopod. That's what you're talking about. And- well, okay, so I feel like we're just building up to making a person, but by slowly replacing all of the parts of an octopus with <laughs> person parts. Yeah. So that it's just a person with some extra limbs. This bicentennial octopus. <laughs> Where it's just Robert Williams at the end, and he's and he's like an octopus with a human face, and he's just like, "Kill me, <laughs> kill me now." Uh, I've lived too long, <laughs> too long. Yeah, two hundred years in octopus years—that's like you know fifty thousand yeah. years. We've fi- we've done it, folks. We finally added human lips to the octopus's mouth and today <laughs> shortly we'll hear the first words uttered by a, a living octopus back to you jim and then it's just like kill me i'm here kill me i'm here kill me come on kill me i'm here come on do it now <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so, so yeah, so, so so the answer is no. We cannot replace all the blood in an octopus. I just, yeah, you. I would have really loved to head that <laughs> off at the pass and just gone on with the discussion. But yeah, so can't, don't do that. Um, just getting back to the anatomy, each arm can touch, smell, and taste. Uh, like all the different suckers are, are sensory organs that aren't just I can touch and, and pick that up. I can actually taste and smell that as well. So think about moving around your environment and just touching things and being able to smell it and taste it instantly. God, imagine everything you touch with your hands, mm-hmm. you just tasted. Like you just tasted with your fingers instead of your tongue. Like that's how you Gross. taste everything. Anyways. Um, I feel like gloves just that have candy on the inside of them would become very popular. Oh, yeah. Like body suits that are like flavored. <laughs> yeah, they seal in the flavor. And I fight crime in a rubber suit. Really seals in the flavor. Like, a, yeah, like you, you could dress yourself. Like, I want a chocolate you base. Dress yourself as like a five course meal. I want a cho- I want chocolate cake shoes, and I want a sh- sh- a sorbet on my head. Nice. Oh man, that would be delicious. I kind of want to be an octopus. Anyways, I feel like the the trade off would be that like. Oh, hey, I just got to have to, like, grab this handrail on the subway and taste, like, cold metal and also just... And, like, cigarettes and... Yeah, and, like, like, imagine, like, tripping and falling over and catching yourself with your hands and just tasting... The dirt? The pavement. (laughs) Yeah, the dirt. It it would give a whole new meaning to touch grass. (laughs) Touch grass, bro. You just, you go swimming in like a lake mm-hmm. and it's like, hmm, nice wildlife stew that we got Honestly, I feel like this is a really good, I know we say this all the time, like million dollar movie ideas, but I feel like it's actually a really good idea for a movie where people or like an alien race have the ability to taste with their skin. And so, oh, I thought you were going to say like an alien race comes to earth and makes it so that all humans taste through their skin i mean either way and then just leave got him lamau got him like troll face and then just you know psych we're out of here in our spaceship yeah so then flash forward like twenty thousand years and this like branch of the human evolutionary tree has like created society around that feature where like all of the i don't know if i'd call it a feature well like all of, like entertain kind of implies it's a good i thing. just think it'd be neat to have a society like a fictional society let's say where a lot of the entertainment and uh, I guess what you call them um, amenities. I'm not helping you with this bit. I, I don't know. I want to see where you're going with this. It's so like you go into a bar and instead of drinks, it's just flavored clothing. Like everything yeah. is just a sensory. Like it's just, it's just like swatches from like a furniture yeah, store yeah. With, with flavors. It's like nicotine patches, but instead of nicotine, <laughs> it's just like different flavors of things. So instead of yeah. going into a restaurant and getting like a five course meal, you get a five course like uh, sticky or like dunk. You get dunked like, in a like chamber. Pi- like pillow. Yeah, <laughs> you, just, you get lifted just a up machine in like a holster dips or you in a in har- like a... harness, <laughs> and it yeah, it just dunks you into several different vats of flavored fluid, and and you just like come out of it like reborn. Yeah. Like I'm. Like... I want to say I'm really glad I don't taste with my skin. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a thing that. After we've, I think, ex- extrapolated and explored the implications of such a human society. Uh, getting back to animals that can do that. Um, so the brain of an octopus is, is about proportionately as big as 
mammals and like birds, like the size of the brain compared to the size of the body is about the same as. Oh, as okay. I thought you were going to just say like the actual literal size of the brain. No. Which David, you're a biologist. I don't know if you know this. Different animals have different sized brains. Yeah, but the proportionate size is like a good indicator of its intelligence in most cases. So like how big the brain is relative to the body size is a, is a good indication. Right, so right. Um, it's up there. and But the three-fifths of it is distributed amongst those arms. So only, whereas like in humans, most of the nerves are in the brain and the brain and the spinal cord. And then like longer nerves go out and sort of innervate the rest of the body with octopuses because it has brains in all of its arms and because it uses a different system. So where most animals that can camouflage use hormones to camouflage, like they use hormones to sell sig- send signals, like chameleons change color using a hormone, the endocrine system or the hormone system where it sends these signals in its bloodstream. Uh, its nervous system communicates with like the hormonal system, sends out all these things in the blood, and then they eventually signal the skin cells to change color. And so it takes like at least a few seconds to like minutes for a chameleon to change color. Octopuses use nerves. Octopus nerves actually signal the skin cells to change color rather than oh, wow. having That's to travel cool. in the blood. Yeah. So, so that's how they, they can just like super quickly exactly. just like change their colors. So they can change colors in a, in a tenth of a second, which is as fast as a blink of an eye or, or faster than the blink of an eye, which is really cool. So literally the octopuses are blink and you miss it creatures. Literally. And it's not just color. It can change from looking like, you know, coral to looking like kelp or looking like a sea snake in some cases, like an octopus can swim in a way where it's, it makes itself really narrow and long and, and its striped pattern looks like a snake, like a, a venomous snake that you wouldn't want to mess with. Um, and the most like common color change, uh, like pretty much common to all octopuses changing from dark to light when they're mating, they'll often kind of flash. Nice. So, so it's like, uh, at the end of, uh, star Wars six, when if you must Luke Skywalker takes off octopus, Darth Vader's helmet and he's like really dark, you know, then Luke Skywalker's like, there's good in you. I've seen it. And Octopus Darth Vader is just like, blah, 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 and then turns, changes color to light. Roll credits. credits. It happens in a blink of a second. And <laughs> Yeah. And Luke Skywalker's like, wow, that was actually a lot faster than I was expecting. Or, or, uh, or the alternate good. version, or like um, where the where Darth Vader's like, come to the dark side, Luke, and Luke is already completely black. And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm just there. Like, just like in a, in a snap yeah. is like, okay. And then he just shoots water out of his siphon and flies away to, to space. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see octopus Star just Wars. Just shoots an ink where, ink where every character is just constantly switching back and forth between the light side and the dark it's side. It's just yeah. It's it's a real roller coaster. So octopuses can change from dark to light they can also change so they change not just their color but their texture we already talked about their body shape so that they can change their whole body to look like a certain thing so they have three different kinds of cells in their skin that help them change just color so they have chromatophores they have pigment sacs in each cell so each cell has three different color proteins and each of those color proteins can be stretched or contracted by the muscles in that area and those muscles are innervated. So the nervous system signals those muscles that can contract and expand those color pigments. So depending on 
you know, which ones are expanded, that's the color that shows up. If you, if right. the example that I read somewhere was like, uh, you take a colored rubber band and it's one color when it's not stretched. And then it's kind of a lighter color when it is stretched. Um, so those are red, brown, and yellow pigments. So depending on which, or like the combination of those three pigments that's being, you know, expressed basically is what color you see. And then iridophores are stacks of sort of reflective plates, kind of like mirrors that are, they have a protein in them called reflectin, which just reflects back. Nice. Good, good name for that protein. So well done. So the stack of reflectin basically reflects back certain colors that are in the environment. So this is kind of the technology of like the invisible man or like that military technology where you take cameras and you take mirrors and you sort of try to reflect the, right, right, the right, ambient right. light around you. So there's metallic blues and iridescent colors that kind of come through that. And then you've got the last one, which is leucophores or lucifores. Anyways, yeah. they reflect white light. So that's how a, an octopus can change from like dark to... to... So it's, it's got like three different tools mm-hmm. that sort of work in conjunction so it can kind of do whatever color or pattern or whatever it wants. Pretty much like whatever color under the sun. So when an octopus, is there like a natural octopus color and then they just like flex? Pretty much. And it's, and now they're different. It's a really good, that's a really good analogy. It'd be like flexing each of your cells independently. (laughs) But yeah. And so because they can flex each cell independently, they can look like the sand on the bottom. Like they can go really detailed, like speckled. But yeah, all octopus species sort of have. So that must take like a lot of like brain power, like a lot of neuron Mm -hmm. power to sort of manage that system. Yeah. So the thought is that. It's rather than it being like the brain sees, you know, sand and is like activate sand and every cell act looking like sand. It's more like there's photoreceptors that are scattered along its skin. So all over its body. So not only can it taste with its skin, it can see with its skin. They think that octopuses are like its eyes are actually color blind. It can't actually see colors. It can see polarized light, but it can't see colors with its eyes. But with these photoreceptors all over its skin, it can, yeah, it it basically can, it's like that technology with the military where it can see its environment and then match it all over its body at at any time. It's very, it's very much like an example of a decentralized nervous system where you can think of the whole body sort of acts as a brain and a body. So this is one of those things that I'm sure I like the army has thought of this before me, but it seems like this is one of those animals where it's like, let's look at how they do camouflage so we can figure out how we can do camouflage. I'm sure there's some like National Geographic documentary about like in the in the late nineties, DARPA spent you know fifty two billion dollars dissecting octopuses to learn how to make our tanks invisible. <laughs> yeah, we want to create a fighter jet that can just blend against the background, and so yeah, we took a bunch of octopuses and just sewed them to the outside of the jet. <laughs> we yeah, just sort yeah, of interwove yeah. the, 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 their, their tentacles. Yeah, they, they really, they were like, should we like figure out how they do this? No, 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 no. Let's just use the octopus. They have 20,000 suction cups. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're basically pre-built they're... for this purpose. But uh, so the other, the last thing I, I want to talk about as far as like camouflage go is the texture thing. They can change their texture to match what's behind them. So they can like typically octopuses look rather smooth, 
but then some of them can create these ridges out of cells on their skin called papillae. Papillae are the same thing on your tongue. I mean, it's the same word. Obviously, they're different, but you know, those little bumps, they're what you think of as taste yeah. buds. They, on an octopus, they are also innervated in muscle. So they can be contracted or expand basically to create more of a ridged surface or a flat surface. So it'd be like all of your skin, you can immediately jump out in goosebumps on command, but the goosebumps are like huge. That's awesome. And so, Andrew. Yes. It's time to talk about ink. Ink. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, uh, question. Mm -hmm. Is it just ink? It isn't. Uh, it's just colloquially known as ink. Um, but it also depends who you are and when you are, because uh, over the time, ink from an octopus has been used to write with. So technically, you could make the argument that... Yeah, like in Minecraft. In terms of function, it's ink, just like in Minecraft. But in terms of properties, or like chemical makeup, it is a... Uh, it's a protein mixture with melanin in it. So melanin is the pigment that makes it black. Right. Um, so it's got a lot of melanin. It's got melanin creating proteins in it. It can be mixed with water. Like I said, it shoots water out of the siphon. The ink sacs are sort of near the siphon. So when it shoots out ink, it can also shoot out a jet of water from the siphon. And that creates like a smoke screen. But they can also make different shapes out of their ink jets. They can, So they can blow... <laughs> like ink rings and ink, you know, art. They can shoot ink ropes. Oh my God. So what they can do is they can inject also different concentrations of mucus into the ink as they're shooting it out to make it either more viscous or less viscous. So like really diffuse ink has no mucus in it and it's more of a smoke screen. Whereas if they want to shoot it out in a shape, they'll put more mucus in it. And they and, and, and like, like hit a, a, pursuing creature perhaps. not so much hit it but distract it so they'll create something called a pseudomorph which is like a fake body like a fake octopus essentially wow i feel like octopuses have a lot of tools at their disposal for not getting eaten so yeah they'll shoot out a sort of mucusy ink jet that keeps its shape for a while and then what they'll do it's called the blanche ink jet maneuver so they'll blanch white. Basically, they'll go from really dark to really light. That is confusing in and of itself. And then they'll shoot a black shape. And then they'll jet. They'll use their siphon to just jet away. And so there's there's actual right. observations of a predator approaching an octopus. It doing this ink, blanch ink jet maneuver. And then the, the predator going after the, the pseudomorph rather than the octopus. Like when a like when a fighter jet is being like has a, like a heat seeking missile exactly, and then it shoots off like a flare to try to distract the missile. That was the uh, analogy in the article I read. It was like a countermeasure or a flare in a in a jet yeah. dogfight. So yeah, it does that, and then um, it can also release, like I said, the smoke screen, or it can ink ropes. It can shoot ink ropes that may look like uh, stinging jellyfish tentacles. Is what they think oh, that's supposed to look like. Nice. And yeah, predators nice. don't like that. And the original evolution of the ink sac is thought that like it just evolved from an octopus wanting to have a lot of melanin in its body to protect it from UV radiation because melanin absorbs UV radiation. So that's good. Nice. And then at some point it just had the ability to do this and that kind of stuck. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to use this sort of melanin that we have that we already make and we're going to use it for something yeah. else. Um which got me thinking, so the, the ink, 
Ink isn't like a specific thing, if you think about it. No. It's just whatever we use as ink. Yeah. So octopus ink is just ink. That's the thing. Functionally, it can be considered ink because it's been used and can still be used as ink, but... Well, I think you might run afoul of some, like, animal protection laws if you tried to use it as ink these days. Yeah. I mean, octopus... It's kind of tough because... Are octopuses in trouble? No, well, not generally. There's some species that are in trouble. I don't think there's actually any listed as endangered at this time. Nice. Good. That's nice I to believe. I believe. I mean... I think that's like the first animal you've like done a feature on that's like... And they're just fine. They're doing okay. They're widespread all over the world. There's like 350 species of them, and that's including finned and non-finned so there's actually not that many if you think about diversity wise that's less than birds in north america like there's over 400 species of birds in north america it's more than like hominids though it's enough they've got enough diversity to occupy every ocean in the world in some way nice they're everywhere. I, I mean, I do want to talk about giant Pacific octopuses, um, but I just wanted to... Yeah, let's let's get into giant Pacific octopuses. <laughs> <laughs> so giant octopuses, giant Pacific octopuses, they live on the, the west coast of North America. They live longer and get bigger than all the other octopuses. So just in terms of... That's what, that's what I like to hear. So just in terms of like mass and how long that mass is on this earth makes it special. And then all the other special things kind of come from that. That's, that's, a, that's what they'll read at my, at my obituary, uh, Andrew. He had mass and he was on this earth. Yeah, so they live three to five years and they die uh, after reproduction. We'll get into reproduction in a minute. But uh, yeah, they're on average 10 to 15 feet long and can weigh up to 100 pounds. That's long. But the largest one was 30 feet long and over 600 pounds. Would it grab onto ships and suck them down beneath the, the waves? Let no joyful voice be heard. Let no man look up at the sky with hope. And let this day be cast by we who ready to wait. The Kraken! There is footage, and you can look this up, of a giant Pacific octopus grappling with a shark, like a pretty big shark. And they have been known to grab seagulls off the surface of the water and just <laughs> pull them under and eat them. Um, nice. And yeah, like fish and stuff. Like, And, and as a diver, if you like, I, I went up to a, a den once, and it was probably a female hiding in a den, and it was huge, like... One of those t- ones that's like probably 10 feet from tentacle to the mantle. Um, Do they pose a risk to people? They can. Like if you if you uh, if you approach one, they can be sort of unpredictable because they're just they're either curious, defensive. Basically, that's it. They're either curious and they'll reach out and they'll touch you, which can be dangerous because if you're if you've got your regulator in your mouth, it's got a hose that goes to your oxygen tank and you've got your mask on and. Your mask is actually super important to see and also to breathe because your mask <laughs> yeah, your mask yeah. covers your nose. Right. If you're breathing out your mouth through your regulator, you don't want to have your nose uncovered because then you have to you, you'll just inhale water, right? So what octopuses yeah. are known to do, especially giant Pacific octopuses, at least like I know this because my dad has stories from diving and reaching into an octopus den. <laughs> Which is your first mistake. See an octopus yeah. go into a den, don't reach in and try to grab it. Um, but that's what he did. And it and it sort of came out and grabbed onto his mask and like ripped off his mask and ripped his regulator out of his mouth. 
and just basically messed him up real good. So he, he just had to get out of there as quickly as possible, put his mask back on, like put it, it's just, it's, it's so disorienting to have your mask take like ripped off when you're scuba diving because immediately you can't breathe and you can't see. I I love that the, the octopus is like figured out the trick is like these annoying apes that decide to swim in the water with all sorts of sharp pointy things. If you just rip the, their face covering off, they'll leave you alone. They've been known to attack people, but it's very rare. And it's always in def- in self-defense, essentially. Right. But uh, yeah, so they the, the way they reproduce is the same way that uh, most octopuses reproduce. They're not sure how males find females, but like I was reading an article where... Yeah, neither am I. Giant... Giant... <laughs> Giant Pacific octopus, they think that it's probably <laughs> chemical cues that the female sends out um, because they've observed a den, like a female just kind of chilling in her den and like nine males kind of all scattered around the den, not interacting with each other, and apparently not aware that any other males are around, but like all in the area of the female. Oh, so just like a bunch of like suitors have arrived? Yeah, and there's really no way for them to know except if it was a chemical in the water that they could smell or taste. And they've seen like males get up on high sort of outcrops on on the ocean floor and spread out their arms and they've got that webbing between their arms. So they kind of make like a sail and they move from right to left. There's really like very little reason for doing that unless they were trying to sniff out a mate. They'll sort of spread their arms out and face the current scientists that have seen this think that that's probably them trying to pick up on chemical cues from the female. Yeah. That's often when times when I'm trying to pick up a lady, I'll just go stand on top of my (laughs) outcropping and stick my arms out and wave myself around. Just smell the air. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How's that working out for you? you (laughs) Not well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So then, and then, so the actual copulation itself. So we talked about the siphon. That's also where copulation happens. So the male will approach the female and either wrap itself around the female or just kind of stand, like stand a bit away at arm's length and reach out one arm. And that arm is the hectocotylus. And the hectocotylus is the specialized arm on a male that is just for reproduction. It doesn't have suckers on the end of it. It has a spot where it can grasp the sperm pack that it passes to the female. So it'll actually reach into its body with that arm. The hectocotylus goes into the its own the male body. Sounds very sounds very transactional. Like you yeah. just you walk up like, hello, nice to meet you. Here is, you know my sperm packet and you can take that and you can, you can use it or you can, you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, I'm going to go die now. <laughs> okay. That took yeah, a Usually turn. males will die within like uh, a couple days or a few months after copulation. Oh, it's like a one and done type deal. It's a one and done. They, they share their sperm pack and then they go off to die. They, they don't eat anymore and they just waste away. But the male reaches into its own body through its siphon, grabs it's spermatophore. It's like sperm pack. And then it takes it and it go and puts it in through the siphon of the female and it withdraws. And that can take hours to days. Like they'll usually engage in this for like a couple days, but the actual transfer of the sperm spermatophore happens within like a few hours. So like four or five hours, it'll do that. And then it'll leave. But in, in and wow. then the female talk about endurance. Yeah. And, and, Females don't usually turn down males. Like there isn't some, you know, elaborate courtship behavior. I would beg to differ. In octopuses. 
So in octopuses, it's like, hey, I've got, I, I want to do this. Are you down? And she's like, yeah, let's go. And that's it. And then that's the whole, uh, it, there's no need for octopus like Tinder to, you know, assist. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no octopus dating apps because it's like, is anyone around? Looking for, uh, for hot singles in the uh, South Pacific Basin. There is a fun example of sexual dimorphism to the extreme in octopuses. So sexual dimorphism is just differences in the way that females and males look. Right. It's the uh, blanket octopus. It's named that because the females have this sort of webbing around their arms that's like more exaggerated than than most octopuses. Where so they look like a big blanket. blanket. Um, But they can the females once again full marks on the naming scheme. Scientists, well, the done. female uh, can be up to six feet long, so kind of similar. It's on the smaller end, but like similar to the giant Pacific octopus in size. Guess how big the male is? Um, if this is going to be one of those like it's way smaller things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you do know, don't I have no basis. I asked you to guess. So a hundred feet long. Okay, no, uh, smaller. <laughs> um, they're about the size of a walnut. Yeah. See. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, oh, you know, big lady, my big wife. And and it is, and in the, in that case, it is the male actually detaches its hectocotylus, so that specialized arm. It's so small that it's not like, here's a sperm pack, I'm going to delicately insert. No, at that point, they just like take their arm and they throw it <laughs> into the female. If you like taking, <laughs> taking your arm and throwing it into the volcano at the end of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, take this. And then you go off and die. Obviously, that's how that works obviously obviously i mean that's just like what else is there but I, I did read somewhere that males have been observed pulling off tentacles from a man of war jellyfish and using it as like a sword to protect itself that is awesome these uh blanket octopuses um it would the size difference it would be equivalent to a man uh asking out a woman that's uh four times the size of the statue of liberty <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to go the other way with it it would be like a woman dating a bee. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, they did make a movie about that. Yeah. So Actually, the example... It's, the bee movie, the plot of the bee movie is just a guy gets cocked by a bee. It, well, it's, a Jerry, it's Jerry Seinfeld as a bee, so... You like jazz? Jerry Seinfeld is a bee who cocks a dude. The moral of that story is that no woman can resist the sense of humor and personality of Jerry Seinfeld, even if he was an <laughs> Even an if he's a bee. bee. Yeah. That's the plot to the new Mr. Bean movie, Man vs. Bee, which I wish they'd call it. Did you just make that up right now, or is that a real thing? It's a real thing. You haven't heard of Man vs. Bee? Man BB? I have not. Oh, it's new on Netflix. There's, it's about Roy Atkinson trying to get rid of a honeybee that's in his house. Oh my god, this is real. I just like this is a real show. I thought like I I thought you were just messing with me. Un- I mean, unfortunately, I'm not. It's a Netflix series. So it's it's what like a, it's like, a like, like a ten like episode series. Ten episodes on Rowan Atkinson fighting a bee in his house. And I'm so disappointed they didn't make it part of the Mr. Bean franchise and call it Bean versus Bean. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bean versus Bean. Yeah. That's just, that's, it's right there. So that's octopuses? Yeah, that's octopuses. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Master of What? If you want to send us a question or comment or a, a suggestion for an episode, you can send us an email at masterofwhatpodcast at gmail. Do it more slowly. I need more time. Um... No, I'm not going to do that. If you if you want to send us an email, 
you can send it to master what at podcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on instagram at master what podcast thank you to birds uh, thank you to birds of canada for uh <laughs> thank you to boards of canada for our theme song we have not got permission to use it but uh, we appreciate you not suing us. David, I'm looking at the list of suggestions of episodes that you've suggested for me to do. Mm. And I just want to interrogate a couple of these. Are birds working for the bourgeoisie is an episode suggestion that you've suggested I do. What are you talking about? Wasn't there like a conspiracy a while back that like all birds were fake and they were just cameras that were spying on uh, poor people or something? What? Didn't like Dick Cheney start it? Nice. Had to be done. I can I can assure you that is absolutely pretty sure Dick Cheney started it. That all birds are working for the deep state. Yeah. Um, are birds real? We're not getting into... I promise you, that's not what the next episode... Um, so, anyways, we're going to talk about who owns the North Pole. Nice. Arctic sovereignty, Arctic territory. Can you own ice? Cool. Well, this has been Master of What. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.